0: Good morning. The House passed a set of bills to reopen the government, but with no money for a border
1: wall. The hey, said, there I listen. am. I forgot to plug in my headphones. Hey world, this is producer Jimmy Gutierrez, and I recorded myself one early, early morning a few weeks ago on a hunch. So I'm here early in the morning, and I just want to check out 2 Pillsbury Street, uh, and I want to see how much energy we're wasting, and I want to see how Sam Evans Brown feels about it. How would you describe the office building at Two Pillsbury Street?
2: It is a new, nondescript mm. uh, rectangle. It's just a chunk, of, chunk of brick. Yeah, it's not like Soviet Russia, right. but but it's not you know it's not interesting.
1: So, what do you think goes on in there when uh, when no one's around? I can only imagine. Parties? Dance parties. Dance parties. Standing in the parking lot from the sixth floor, it looks like the entire newsroom, all the lights are still on. Which is cool, because that means they've just been chilling like that for the entire night. So I went inside of our nondescript building. Sam isn't going to like this either, but I'm taking the elevator up. Sorry, Sam, no stairs this morning. And right as I step off of the elevator into the lobby, the entire lobby is... Like, extremely well lit. Like, burning my retinas. I don't even think you can turn those off. They just don't have a switch. Just on forever. Another thing that really stood out was how GD warm it was. <laughs> Gosh darn. Cool darn warm. It's warmer than my apartment. I, feel, I could lay down on the floor without a blanket and knock out.
2: Like, a building this size, you could probably turn the heat off all night, and it would probably only drop a couple degrees. Is that right? And, and you could turn... Yeah, I mean, there's like a ton of... Just like stored thermal energy in a building this
1: big. So, I'm guessing that you've thought about this stuff before. I think about this constantly. <laughs> okay, okay, perfect. Okay, <laughs> and and so you're you're a positive solution based guy. So like, what what can we possibly do? Just get a digital thermostat.
2: Jesus Christ, is <laughs> not that hard. This ain't rocket science, people.
1: So is it fair to say that our office wastes, like, a lot of energy even when we're not here? Oh, my God, completely. Okay, so we could do things differently, though, right? Like like people do at home, like turning off the lights when you leave a room or the heat way down, like things that save both money and emissions? Yeah, th- I, that is definitely true. Energy use is actually lower on
2: weekends because of all the offices and factories and stuff that are closed. Uh, and that's even with building managers like the ones at NHPR making expensive and wasteful energy decisions Ooh. like you observed.
1: Uh, so yeah, it's totally something we could do. Okay, okay. So I want to I wanna take this one step further. So what if, now follow me, Sam, what <laughs> if we didn't come in to work on Fridays? Oh. Uh, yeah, that would
2: save energy. Right. But this just feels like it's about you wanting
1: three day weekends. What? <laughs> That's a part of it, but but I'm here to make this pitch. So after some really basic as Google searches, I am prepared to say that the 32 hour work week can save the world. <laughs>
2: uh, you are going to have to do some work to convince me of this one, Jimmy <laughs> Today on Outside In, Jimmy has a proposal, probably one that's not going anywhere. Hey, don't undermine me before we even get this thing started. About what to do with all the wealth and productivity that modern technology has brought to us. Maybe instead of buying more stuff, what we should be buying for ourselves is some time off.
3: Just give me two ticks, I'll find the right ones.
1: This is Andrew Barnes, and he's looking for headphones. He is the founder and managing director of Perpetual Guardian. That's New Zealand's largest corporate trust company. They handle wills, estate planning, you know, like rich folk stuff. I have a will. Do you really? Yeah. Damn, I ain't got nothing. (laughs) Uh, He said he first started rethinking the traditional work week after reading an article in The Economist.
3: Which was talking about two surveys. One had been done in Britain and one had been done in Canada. And the British one said that people were productive for two and a half hours a day. And the Canadian one said one and a half hours a day.
1: Okay, so that's within a full eight hour workday. An hour and a half of that spent getting work done.
4: American industry has met the challenge of war. American factories have achieved the impossible.
1: American mass- so this idea that working longer hours might actually be less productive is not a new one.
5: Performing manufacturing miracles.
1: During World War I, British munitions factories were supplying shells for the Western Front. Workers there worked seven days a week, sometimes in excess of 80 hours. And researchers found out that not only were workers more productive overall with the day off, but their quality of work also improved.
3: We have a 19th century work construct. And because it's there, we naturally assume that it is the solution.
1: And so Barnes thought, hey, this has got to be the case with my workers here too, right? So he emailed HR saying he wanted to test run a 32-hour work week. Thinking he went mad, his HR, she deleted the email. The thinking was that there's no way workers would just give up a day of work and pay.
3: Actually, it's pay for five, work for four. And um, so she was a bit stunned.
1: The firm ran an incentive-based test run with the shot that if productivity stayed the same or improved, the paid-for-five-days work-for-four might become permanent. And you know this is part of my pitch for a reason. (laughs) So workers became more productive, marginally overall, producing just as much in four days as they had in five. And with that extra time off, they spent more time with family and friends, they gardened, they exercised, and that's not all.
3: The, the really interesting thing about this starts to become around the broader social impact.
1: Specifically, environmental impacts. What happens when you take 20 percent of the cars off the road during rush hour? Or if those big, non nondiscreet office buildings like ours at 2 Pillsbury Street can power off for an extra day?
3: It's thinking about a different solution to how we deal with things like environmental problems. You know, stop just doing what we're doing. Try something that's radically different. And if you do that, actually, there is going to be, you know, quite a material, I think, a material beneficial impact.
1: Welcome to your three-day weekend. All right. So, uh, so what do
2: you think about those findings? I'm intrigued. I will confess I'm intrigued. I like the idea, uh, you know, because we're, sometimes we're not our best work selves uh, when we're at work. I do like the idea of working less time but and that would just force me to be my better work self. Mm. But but I do have to say that it feels like there are only certain fields that
1: this this sort of win-win can apply to. Right. Yeah, I mean for now that that feels true. Um, I think it's easiest to start with project-based work, like creative work, you know anything where you can get like momentarily distracted or off track, and that translates into getting less done, which is a hun- that's like a hundred percent describes right. us, <laughs> right? We are like the prime candidates for this slack. Never check slack. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we, I mean, which is what makes this my pitch, and I, and I think this should be available for all workers. But for now, what I'm saying uh, is that this idea is something that we should do uh, here at NHPR, and specifically us at Outside In. Oh yeah and <laughs> and Sam, I, I want that extra day. I want to know if I would be less stressed by the overall like state of the world, uh, if I would have more energy, and I want to prove that we would get just as much done. yeah. well, what, so what's your next step here? Well, I just got to convince our boss. She is you know,
2: she is a tyrant. <laughs> she is known for her tyranny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't mess with Erica. Could we just start with you introing yourself and what you do here?
4: I am Erica Janik, and I am the executive producer... A.K.A. the boss.
1: Yes, yes. You are my boss.
4: I am your boss. Yeah, And, you could, and Sam's boss. And
1: Sam's boss. Could you fire both of us?
4: I think so. Oh, that's pretty tight. Be careful.
1: Yes. Okay, so as you know, I'm working on this story about the possible benefits, environmental and otherwise, of working a 32-hour week.
4: This is a thing that I am aware of.
1: So now we're going to make this a little more real. Uh, and I want, I want to make this a personal experiment. So can I convince you that I should be working four days a week.
4: Jimmy, I'm still not sure what makes this an outside-in episode.
1: Uh, can you believe that I was, I was hoping that you'd ask that? Just
4: like if you, if
1: you had a guess, how many hours do you think you work a week?
5: I'm not going to say in public. <laughs> because, not because it's too high. Let's put it this way. I practice what I preach.
1: So this is my personal hero, Juliette Shore. She's an economist and sociologist at Boston College. Back in 92, she wrote a book called The Overworked American, The Unexpected Decline of Leisure. And she thinks that it's time that we rethink the way we work.
5: If you look historically, you know, we've had massive automation and mechanization, you know, first in agriculture, then in industry, you know, manufacturing. And through most of the the 20th century or a good part of the 20th century in, in most places, that was met with shorter hours of work until in the U.S., you know, in the last 40, 50 years, not so much.
1: So the length of a work week has declined steadily for decades in most of the developed world, but the U.S. is a clear outlier here. So we're still working the same number of hours per year as we were back in 1980, even though places like Japan, Australia, the U.K., France, Germany have all seen shorter work weeks. Uh, And Erica. I'm here to tell you that's not just because of our bosses.
5: It's also due to the pressures from the spending side. And so if we ask, you know, what are the challenges to this? The idea that we have to keep raising our standard of living higher and higher and higher and higher.
4: Okay, I... I see this is how we sneak this onto an environmental show.
1: Uh-huh, right, right right And so far despite some of like our best efforts to, like ramp up renewables, uh, carbon emissions still rose in the. US last year and a big driver of that was manufacturing or just overall economic growth.
5: Absolutely. Technology alone is not gonna do it unless we decelerate. <laughs> the economy and and there's more to it than that there's also one one really important thing about climate emissions is they're very skewed toward the top so the people at the top have much bigger carbon footprints
1: okay so basically how it goes is that as incomes increase so does consumption and because we haven't decarbonized the economy Emissions increase.
4: So her argument is that one way to reduce emissions is rather than buying more stuff, bigger houses, we should buy some leisure time instead.
1: That's right. Yeah. And and this isn't just about like buying less stuff. It's about like the kinds of stuff that people buy when they have more time.
5: Individual households respond to changes in what we might call their time budgets. So how much time do you have available and how does that affect the way you live?
1: So let's say I work a 60 hour week. That means that instead of walking or taking public transit to work, I'm going to drive to work. And instead of when I go home, instead of like having energy to cook for myself, I'm just going to hit fast food.
5: One of the things that happens is we uh, reduce the sort of less productive time in our day when we work fewer days. So there's the higher per hour productivity. There's the other thing that people in the four-day work weeks value their jobs more they are happier they are less likely to quit
4: you know the thing that it makes me think about is you know jimmy that my husband quit his job so that i could take this job right he works in a really high stress environment and he had been working he's a
1: doctor right he's
4: a doctor so he'd been working like 70 80 hour weeks no and that was just our life and he was getting really burned out um and so he quit his job And we moved here and I took this job and just listening to her talk, something that it's made me realize is, you know, my husband hasn't been working in the last few months. And when people ask me what he does, I feel I feel embarrassed to tell them that he's not working, even though his value is obviously a lot more than just working a million hours a week. And yet I somehow still feel this like reflexive need to justify it to people but actually, having him have more time has made our life mm. so much better. like it's not like i it's not like things were really bad or anything at all, but I didn't even realize like what a toll it was taking on us until he wasn't working eighty hours a week.
1: Yeah. Well, so I mean, it seems like I don't really have to like hard sell you on this becoming a story uh, about the personal benefits of this uh. About the thirty-two hour lifestyle.
4: Well, I am concerned about meeting deadlines. Mm. <laughs> a shortened work week—it's hard. We have a lot of projects yes, within our unit. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> but I think I'm sold. Hey.
1: Okay, okay, okay. So, so what if I was thinking bigger, right? Like, what if, what if we were able to get like the whole team down to thirty-two hours, and we still managed to put out like Outside In and all of the other shows?
4: That sounds amazing, but also feels like I can't actually, I don't have that power. I can't actually make that decision.
1: You can, you're the boss. (laughs) You can make this. You can make this happen. I am the boss. You can make this happen right now.
4: (laughs) My boss powers have a ceiling. Uh, I think you've got to convince our CEO.
1: The big boss, CEO Mark Kaplan.
4: And what if he actually wants you to take a pay cut?
1: That would be a big decision.
4: Have you talked to your wife about this, uh,
1: Allie? Yeah, I have not talked to her now.
4: Maybe you should talk to Allie
1: before giving.
4: Yeah, just a double check.
1: Yeah, that seems responsible. <laughs> I don't want her to hear this and be mad at me. <laughs> She's already got enough reasons. <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll hear from Allie um, after a break. Okay, team, we're back, and this is me bothering my lovely wife, Allie, one night while we're at home. So I got good news. Uh Our pizza's cooked. Good. Yeah. How are you feeling right now?
6: Exhausted. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just want to fantasize for a little bit. What do you think I would do if I were working a four-day work week, and what kind of effects do you think it would have on me?
6: You would sleep in longer, because I get you up super early. (laughs) and you would take quiet time in the morning to like make tea possibly read catch up on the news and then you just coast into creative time little bit of exercise and then I am I am dreaming (laughs) I mean you have
1: you've been working like you went into work at eight and it's now past eight at night and you're still working and Juanito was biting my leg Juanito is our cat hi buddy you want to come up here? So I'm going to talk with Mark, um, and we're gonna we're gonna really talk about making this 32 happen. Ideally, I won't have to sacrifice any salary. I won't have to make any concessions in that way. But you know, I'm a public radio producer. I'm not. I'm I'm doing well, but I'm not making bank. So like, if if I had to give up anywhere from five, ten to possibly up to like 20 percent of my salary. Is that still something that you think would be a good idea
6: obviously with loans and saving up for a house like it would be nice to not let go of that but for the sake of how i know how you work and like your mind and your health i see that being worth it to me because You, like, transform when you have space. And I would much rather find ways to make up what we'd be losing in that financially. If it meant that you were able to have that space. Than to, um, say no. I I know you would be so much more balanced. I know you'd be so much more happy. So, I... I have to say that I would give up that 20%. Yeah.
1: Well, I just have to go and convince Mark now, so I guess wish me luck. Good luck. All right, let's get you another glass of wine.
6: <laughs> are, are you cool with that? Can we get you
1: another glass? Yeah, I'd really like that. <laughs> okay, so it's 1.30 on a Wednesday... So this is kind of like the culmination of this episode: is me going and talking with our CEO um, and pitching him uh, to see how he would feel or if he would buy into uh, this idea-you know, to save the planet. Hey, Mark. One, two. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Okay. One, so we're two. back in the studio. <laughs> Turns out these microphones still work. <laughs> okay. So
2: did you talk to Mark yet? Are we all going to be working a 32-hour work week? So I, I did get him in the studio.
0: Hi, Jimmy. I'm Mark Kaplan. I'm the interim executive director at New Hampshire Public
1: Radio. And I gave him the hard sell. I broke out some of my strongest uh, it's arguments. called the productivity week policy. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay, so this is similar to what you've probably heard of in other countries like reduced working hours, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes. But this is like that, except for the fact that you get paid for five days while working four. I love it. Can you get me from
0: seven down to five? We can work
1: on that. <laughs> So I laid it all out. The potential to save money and emissions on energy use within the building, the lower emissions lifestyle, the fact that productivity went up and all the work still got done. I had a couple more cards to play too. Things that uh, the CEO of Perpetual Guardian Andrew Barnes told me, like the fact that we could solve a lot of our recruiting issues.
3: Trust companies, let me tell you, are the dullest business you've ever come across. Um, But we have people, you know, queuing to join us because We are seen to be innovative. Now, all of these things add to the bottom line.
1: Barnes also said this policy had a huge positive impact on the folks that had been around for a long time,
3: uh, as far as like their engagement and just overall morale. One of my guys, who had IT, you know, he he was able to pick up his daughter from school for the first time ever. You know, you're not going to get rid of that guy in a hurry because for him, he's got something that money can't buy.
0: I think those are very good points. I think that there's a lot of opportunity to create environments that people feel more comfortable working in that can provide a better work-life balance. I don't think that accomplishing these things is easy necessarily. And so there are hurdles that end up being there that are, that are beyond the internal operation of the organization itself often.
1: Especially if you're a media organization. Right. I think it, I think it is organizations, it is um, professions like ours that need to rethink work. And then maybe you take a step back and look at the kind of work that we're producing and seeing if maybe we are producing better work.
0: Um, By the way, um, I have three kids. My, my, my son, who lives out in California, uh, works for a company that's on a four-day work week. Ah.
1: <laughs> and how does he feel about that?
0: Uh, it works well for him. Uh, he and his wife have a three and a half year old and you know, it gives him a little time for for family during the week and you know, there's a lot of good reasons to do it.
2: Whoa, okay, so he's seen this he's seen this up close and personal. So, right.
1: So what did he say? Well, so his son actually works um for ten hour days. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it's it's a little different. But at the same time, like he uh, he does know, like you were saying, about the uh you know, having that third day off. Yeah. Um but uh I mean, if we're being real, uh, I think, you know, we all knew what would happen. He he didn't want to go there. He didn't want to go there.
0: I think it's well worth considering further. I'm not ready to commit to it right now. I think that, uh,
2: number one... Well, I have to say, I mean, I do, I understand part of the pushback to this idea.
1: The CEO pushback? What, where's the class solidarity?
2: <laughs> what is this? <laughs> So should I just roll – we're going to have it out here? Yeah,
1: yeah. Let's have it out. Let's have it out.
2: I will say that, you know, there have – historically, there have been a lot of environmentalists who have argued that countries that don't have a lot of wealth can't have more wealth because that might worsen climate change. And I'm like – I'm just hesitant to, to go there. Because like, well, who's saying that? Right. I, you know, the rich countries are always saying that, and and like, we might be able to do both. We might be able to solve poverty and climate change, or maybe we solve neither, which is probably more likely. <laughs> but but okay. So that aside, so this might work for us. Like, it could be a win-win for people with jobs like ours because we stop checking Twitter too much. But what about jobs that are already all hustle? Like, mm-hmm. you know servers at restaurants, TSA agents, you know, it seems like this wouldn't necessarily work in a job
1: like that. I do think for us it would be this win-win, but, but you're, I mean, you're right. Like right now, this is not viable yet. Uh, it doesn't mean it shouldn't be. Uh, but, but all of this brings me to um, Charlotte Graham mclay and she is a journalist I talked to and she was one of the first people to profile Perpetual Guardian uh, when they were still
6: in their trial run. I think that the productivity thing can only go so far, you know, in the same way that you can say, oh, you know, it's actually, uh, you know, better economically for our society to not be racist. And that might slightly win some people over. But at the end of the day, you actually have to believe that being racist is bad to end racism. You know what I mean? So it's like you can say, oh, your workers will be much more productive. So even if you're a mean old capitalist, um, that might appeal to you a little bit. But surely an employer has to believe that the culture of work is fundamentally broken. Broken, and something massive has to, something has to be cracked inside it in order to kind of start rebuilding what we think work should be.
1: And that, that brings us back, I haven't told you yet, but that brings us back to what, what Mark Kaplan, our CEO, told me. Oh, oh, like there's, he gave some ground. There's some ground. Um, so after our meeting, we had talked off mic, uh, just for, I mean, just so I didn't get fired. <laughs> Um, but he I mean he wasn't having any of the 32 hour work week stuff Uh, was pretty much just humoring me and um, but you know but I was I'm not playing like I'm not you know and so I kept pushing Um, and he ended up saying that I could work 32 but I would have to give up a fifth of my salary and that you know the cost of my benefits would go up as well substantially whoa yeah
2: Uh, Are you gonna do that? Like, uh, this feels like we've come a long ways from this. Like, I'm gonna have three days, three day weekends,
1: for the same pay, and just prove that I can do the same work. Right. Yeah. I mean, I value my life more my my life away from work more than I value my work life. Mm -hmm. And I think like, even by doing that, my work improves. Um. So yeah, Jimmy's going forward with four days. Twenty percent less pay. <laughs> How does Juanito feel about this? I think he's gonna love it. <laughs> That's a lot more playtime for him.
2: You know, if if if, if when I got hired, there had been two offers on the table, and one was the same except twenty percent less pay mm-hmm. and four days a week. I'm I'm actually not even sure what I would have picked. Yeah, yeah. Good luck, Jimmy. Thanks, man. Doesn't this still get back to this question, though, of, like, where does this stop? Mm. Like, you know, how
1: much do we actually have to be at our desk to get our jobs done? Funny you should say that, Samuel. (laughs) I just read this report from the New Economics Foundation, (laughs) and uh, they're making the case that uh, the ideal work week is actually 21 hours.
4: (laughs) (laughs) This is what I was saying! (laughs)
1: Outside In was produced this week by me, Jimmy Gutierrez, Sam Evans-Brown, and Taylor Quimby, with help from Justine Paradise, Ben Henry, and Daniela Alley. Erica Janik is the boss, a.k.a. Oh. our executive producer.
2: Maureen McMurray is the director of Definitely Not Working 32 Hours, but maybe one day. Maybe. One day. <laughs> Special thanks to Charlotte graham McLeay for all of her help. Music for this week's episode came from Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.
1: Uh. Boom. <laughs>
2: All right, this I'm episode definitely did not take 32 it did hours. Not. <laughs> oh my god.
5: <laughs> Socks.